stuff. Yeah. One right here, huh. dedicate this one right here to everybody out there. All right, what's going on? This is Quincy Valentine, and welcome to the Valentine Experience. I truly appreciate you guys for coming back again for my latest installment of the Valentine Experience. I've been going for about a month. Um, want to work on my material, make sure that I'm giving you, you know, my full essence and my unapologetic truth from my perspective. So I don't want to go all into this whole, uh, giving you this whole explanation on why I've been gone. This is pretty much it. Um, without further ado, this is episode 21, barely legal. Let's get into it. So as we get closer and closer to November 3rd, I'm sitting here pondering, are we really about to have this reality star again for a second term? Or are we going to get this outlandish liar? And again, this is my perspective on uh, Biden and Trump. But either we're going to get a manipulative liar or we're going to get a reality star. Either way, we're fucked. There's no way to look at it. It's not me getting political, just me being honest. Um, either you're going into complete socialism or if you're dealing with what, from a, a minority or ethnic perspective, you have to continue to deal with the out front racism. But then on the back end, you have to deal when you're dealing with Biden's camp, you have to deal with the covert racism. So. I mean, it's the lesser of two evils, right? I guess. I mean, you can always vote for Kanye, right? I mean, that's always an option. And I'm being facetious. I'm, I'm not really saying, like, I would vote for Kanye. But nonetheless, I still have to go out there and do my due diligence because my ancestors fought for me to have the opportunity to vote today. And then you look at what we have. This is the best that we have when it comes to the free world. Is this really the best thing we can present? We have a docile old man that clearly doesn't know up from down, and he seems like he's always on Adderall. And then we have a young man, and I wouldn't say, and I put that in quotation, but a younger man that, that clearly believes that he's doing whatever is best for the country from his perspective because He's allowing bigotry and hate to fuel and continue to run amok in the streets. My question is to everybody out there that's listening. What are we doing collectively besides voting? What are we doing on a day to day basis that is going to help further and make America? And I put this in quotations. Great. Not great again because to, to, to sit there and put the premise out there that it's again meaning that it, it had a, a time where it was great. Um, we had slavery, we had Jim Crow, we've, we're have we on a break of uh, or, uh, civil war. Um, so I'm, my question is like when was it really great? But you have to tear down an infrastructure in order to build a new one. 
So I, I believe this is the awakening where we're we're at a crossroad where we have to have a, a true conversation on what we need to do. You have everybody out for their own agendas. Um, and I think that comes with self-preservation and knowing that you need to take care of yourself and your kinfolk. But I mean, again, as we've seen with Breonna Taylor, is that, you know, all uh, skin folk are not your kinfolk. Um, not my words. And for a person like myself, I'm not really into, <clears throat> I'm not really into the whole religion thing, but I find myself looking to spirituality for guidance now to try to get a better understanding of what is happening from a worldly perspective. Is it the second coming? Are we, are we in the last days from uh, a, a biblical standpoint? Like what is happening? I, I'm at a crossroad. Um, is there going to be a world for my kid to grow up in and, and to continue to flourish and to build on the legacy that I eventually leave for, or, um, for, is there going to be a place where if I decide to have children or if I have more children, is there going to be something to give them? The only thing that I know that I can give them that cannot be taken away, obviously is knowledge. And the more that I seek knowledge, the more I realize I don't know shit about life. Um, I'm I'm consistently humbled, and I'm in a place where my thought process is constantly being challenged on a daily basis because of the type of person that I want to be, and as a father. And then I'm scared. Uh, I am like petrified of the idea of what I grew up with. My kid won't be accessible to or my wife won't be accessible to or you know my friends and all these people that have a a intricate part in my life they are not accessible to anymore now I rack my mind consistently like what do I do like what is the next appropriate steps that I have to make to secure a future from myself for a potential spouse for my child or children if I decide to have others down the line the thing is with the knowledge that I've obtained you know my children or you know my potential wife could could utilize and access that and use that to build whatever they decide to they're going to do or I could just continue to harbor the hold feelings and feel like that America owes me this and feel as though I want to be treated equal. I learned a long time ago, and God rest my grandmother's soul, if someone doesn't treat you correctly, you no longer associate with that person, or you move on from wherever you're at. And that's something that I contemplate on a daily basis because I live in America, and I think about this consistently, and I'm like, well, what is the next action that I possibly can take that will be beneficial for myself and a potential family? Let me relocate to Africa. Let me relocate to um, Haiti. Let me relocate to places where I am not the minority, but I am the majority. And these laws are no longer binding to my skin. I am no longer in a place where and where I'm where I feel like I'm, I'm a constant target is on my back. Last night, um, <clears throat> it's crazy because. I was watching the movie Higher Learning. Now, Higher Learning, if you're not familiar with 
the movie uh, directed by John Singleton, the great late John Singleton, um, starring Omar Epps as the lead, um, Tyra Banks, and I believe Ice Cube. Now you have Ice Cube, and let me not forget Michael Rappaport. Um, but in this movie, you see you see black and whites antagonizing each other consistently, and it got me thinking. Like, how is it that that movie is 26 years old and we're still dealing with these things to this day? How is it that um, we're still dealing with the effects of Jim Crow 30 or 50 years after that? How is it we still dealing with the effects of slavery 400 some odd years ago? And it is a constant struggle to be treated equally we're not asking for people to look at us and say hey listen um we want to be better than it's not black lives matter it's just that we want to matter just as much as everybody else it's it's the same reason why and and for single parents or parents in general it's the same reason why when you go out on you know, on your child's birthday and even though you know it's that child's birthday, you buy a gift for the other child because you want them to feel equal. And I feel like we're never given our just due. And I say us as black people or the indigenous people, the people that were originated, the people that it has been proven. You can look back in your history books that tell you that the melanated people were the people that roamed the earth before anybody else. And it sickens me because all we asking for is to be equal, legal. How is it illegal to be black? And I say that I say that loosely, I say that figuratively, but I understand what it's like to be a black man in America and feel like I'm consistently when I walk out the door, I'm consistently playing defense. There's not a day that I feel like I am on the offensive side of the ball. I have to consistently be defensive. I have to always watch what I say and how I say things the way I can be perceived before I even open my mouth. Or, hey, you're really articulate. I deal with this consistently. Hey, hey, you're really articulate. I would have never thought that. Why is that? Because I have a beard and braids. Because I'm five nine and a half and two hundred and thirty pounds, like because I look a specific way, I I can't be educated. I can't speak a certain way. That that I I have the capabilities to take your computer apart and put it back together, or that I'm teaching myself sign language, or that I'm teaching myself to do this and do that. See, perception is people's reality. And because the news media has a way of shifting and making people seem, I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to get on my soapbox, but people don't understand, like, you think about it like this, one in every three black men are accosted and put in jail. They end up with some type of record. Now, if you end up with a felony, you can't vote. Thanks to the 13th Amendment. So, you think about all of the people out there that are unable to vote that can live in a swing state 
and change the dynamics of what happens in the next week. You're taking away somebody's right and dignity to live, but you still make them pay taxes. They pay taxes to live here. They can't go nowhere. They can't own a legal firearm, but they still pay taxes, right? It's asinine that we live in such a calculated society that puts us at a disadvantage consistently. It feels like you're consistently having ankle weights, dealing with the 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 consistent systematic oppression of what black women deal with on a day-to-day basis or what black men deal with on a day-to-day basis. The news cycle perpetuates a specific ideal that black men and black women are beneath or they're not they're not worth the time, the manpower, nor the energy to take care of on a consistent basis. When we say defund the police, we really mean reform the police. And reforming will put us in a better predicament, but not only that, but people understanding and white folks understanding that they have to understand that they have privilege. And I was looking at Chase Handler and she was speaking on it and she was talking about how white folks get extremely defensive when you speak on them having privilege. It is a privilege to come out your door and get in your car and drive a half a block and a cop car gets behind you and you don't have a panic or anxiety attack. I get an anxiety attack every single time I get behind the wheel. Like I can't breathe. My chest caves in when a cop gets behind me. And even though I'm not doing anything wrong, I'm just scared because I know that X plus Y equals Z. So if this person stops me and because they feel they may have had a bad day and they say, get out the car and I don't get out the car or I follow the instructions to a T and they still not feeling it. That could be the last day I live. So understanding that privilege, that's a privilege to go back and forth to the store. It's a privilege to understand that you're not looked at as a target. You, no matter what, you're given the benefit of the doubt. That is a privilege. This is what I mean when I say barely legal. Like, we're barely legal to live in America. But the people of color are the most influential. We dictate social media culture. We dictate how things are perpetuated in, like... And music and all the arts were acceptable enough for entertainment. And that's how it's always been. And that's how it will continue to be until we ask for more. And if you don't want to agree with what we're asking for, we can just take our contract off the table and go somewhere where we're appreciated and not tolerated. And for a lot of times, we don't understand that even giving us crumbs is tolerated. It's kind of like the toddler that keeps asking you, hey, could I have some? Hey, could I have some? Hey, could I have some? And then finally you say, here, take it. Enjoy. I hope it's good. So we think that because they give us 
an inch that that's good enough. And we have a lot of brothers and sisters that have this this infinity for the oppressor that want to seem or they chuck and jive to make other people feel comfortable. They straighten their hair. They don't wear their they don't wear their natural locks. Or they speak a certain way. Or they feel like they have straightened up. It's kinda like when mom and dad walk in a room and you straighten up and this goes or when I was younger, when I would go in the store and say I act out, my grandmother would say, don't, don't act out. Don't act out in front of these white folks. Don't give them no reason. And I never understood that. Or don't go to, hair, don't go to school with your hair all nappy. Why, grandma? Why not? Why can't I go to school with my hair nappy? Why can't I look this way? Don't look like nobody take care of you. Don't comb, comb your hair. And the thing is, a lot of the times, white folks don't even care how we look. We're so hard on ourselves because we're so we're so in a place, we're in a rat race where we're kind of trying to out-nigger each other. This shit is crazy. It's, it's, it's constant coonery. And I'm sick of it. Like, I'm sick of living that I or, or feel like I have to 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 present myself in the status quo, the shit really hurts my soul. It does. And it's not for me to get up here and be like, well, you know, use my platform to be this person where I'm like, well, you seem like you're always down or it seems like a political podcast. It's not even that. It's that I feel, I feel as I do diligence to push each other and hold each other up and hold each other accountable for what we need to do. The the crazy thing is that we'll, we'll gather to vote Right. We'll we'll get up and we'll vote and we'll do all these things every four years. Right. But what are we doing locally? Like how are we we're the same people that go out and vote from now until November 3rd. But walk past that young man or that young woman that's sitting on a sidewalk that may have not eaten in the last three days. And her skin is just as brown as yours or darker. And you won't help them. Because you already have a mentality like, well, I got shit to do. I got bills to pay. Why don't you just get up and, and do it? But sometimes people are struggling. I know I did. I struggled with mental anxiety. I struggled with homelessness. I struggled with everything. And when you don't have stability, you lack mental stability. I don't think y'all catch that. So if you don't have a home or a place to rest your head where you can conduct, kind of decompress every single day. It takes a toll on your mental. Your mental is never the same. It is the same effects that you go through with PTSD. We have to do better in the sense where we have to put ourselves in a better position to ask for more. You got to be doing the job that you are going for. If that makes sense, right? So... If you're an assistant manager, you want to do the store manager's job already because you want to show that you're capable of doing it. So when you're getting that thrusted in that position, you already know. They already know that you're capable of doing it. It is the same concept with that is that we have to go and do what is needed and come with a plan of action in order to act for whatever we need. 
I'm tired of being barely legal. I'm tired of feeling like I'm less than. I'm tired. And you should be too. Well, I'm Quincy Valentine. This was the Valentine Experience. And again, how many mothers have to cry? How many brothers gotta die? 